Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. When two Division I athletes discuss the challenges and successes of navigating life after competing, you get conversations designed by athletes for athletes. I'm Don Sutton. And I'm Brooke Beerhouse, sharing with the athletic community stories and insights to better understand life when your sport ends. Hello, knowledge seekers, athletes, and curious humans. I'm Brooke Beerhouse, alongside my insightful co-host, Don Sutton, on this week's episode of When Your Sport Ends. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, Miss Brooke. Hello. <laughs> on this episode, we are going to be discussing a topic that every athlete goes through. That topic, eating habits. Everyone's eating habit changes. Now, these episodes that are here to come are not suggestions or guidelines for you personally these are more of a dialogue and a discussion yeah we feel like this is a topic that can't be covered in one full episode so we are breaking it down this episode does contain sensitive content related to eating disorders disordered eating and body image a trigger warning is on this episode for any person who is listening who is currently struggling with an eating disorder or battling disordered eating We also feel it's important to share the full scope of how damaging disordered eating can be, but on the body and the mind. Brooke dealt with an eating disorder in college during her running career, and then lasting a couple years after, after she stopped competing. She's overcame many battles with this disordered eating, and this disordered eating disguises itself through a healthy lifestyle or diet changes. We are discussing the bulk of that on today's episode. But before we get into the content for this episode, we are going to take a quick word from our sponsors. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Yes, I know I will only be betting if you're wearing my UT hat. Yep. I am his superstition, and I kind of love it. I wear the Longhorns hat every Saturday, and so far, when I've worn it, we've won. When I've not worn it, we've lost. Yes. Yep. It's pretty disappointing. I know. From game spreads and totals to team players and coaching and props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always an online casino as well never closes so head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again that's betonline.ag and sign up today bet online your online sports book experts man i wish i could access the internet via my laptop at the dog park well you know i have something where you can do that Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's got a Skyroam Solis. I don't know if you'd want to do it at the dog park, though, because you and I are too busy playing with all the dogs. But if you wanted to, you would have the option. The Skyroam Solis is a personal hotspot where you can work anywhere, whether that's on the road, at the dog park, or maybe just on a walk around the neighborhood, right? 
I guess so. I guess so. And now it's 20% off at skyroam.com with the promo code Rome with Brooke. That's R-O-A-M with B-R-O-O-K-E for 20% off at skyroam.com. Always good to hear from them. Yep, always a good thing to hear, and hopefully people like the the little commercials we got going on in there, little ads, Yeah. the dialogue. Yeah, keeps the lights on. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in today's topic, as we've discussed before, or have stated to the audience previously, mm-hmm. we're going to be discussing eating disorders, and there's no better way to kick off this kind of mini-series than to discuss it with somebody who's actually had the experience mm-hmm. and willing to go in depth into her own experience, aka my co-host, Brooke. You. Yeah, I think it needs to be talked about a little bit more. Um, it's always a hard thing to do, so I appreciate people listening, and hopefully, it will spark either maybe recollection or reconciliation in yourself. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say reconciliation, do you mean, uh, I, I, can you can you dive right into that piece right off the bat? Let's just yeah. get right into this. I think we need to get right into this. So when I said about reconciliation with yourself, honestly, there's a lot of shame that goes into disordered eating and eating disorders. And I use those two, not interchangeably, but a lot of the times together because, um, Traditional eating disorders are anorexia, bulimia, um, a combination of the two, which can be very unfortunate. Um, And then disordered eating takes many forms. I mean, you look at the uh, fitness bikini models uh, for the lifting. What's that called? When you're on stage, like the bikini competitions or you're weightlifting, but you're on stage it's when you get super tan and you I know those. what you're talking about. Yeah. And I know of several people who have done those post post sports. Yeah. Um, well, the the reason that that I use that as an example for disordered eating is because it's a it's a really highlighted, embraced and almost congratulatory type of eating disorder or disordered eating styles because having a track and really seeing food as a demon or as something you can't have. Or when you hear people say, oh, I can't have that when it's not an allergy, it's a putting that on yourself or labeling foods as good foods or bad foods. That's disordered eating. So I think that that's interesting. When were you able to identify that this, this kind of mentality was an eating disorder? Yeah, I knew right away. Like I'm not I'm not dumb. I knew right away and I think that happens with a lot of a lot of female athletes and a lot of females, males, non-binary that have eating disorders know that it's not healthy. There might be some people who get into fall into an eating disorder or a disordered eating habit not really knowing that that's what it is. It was freshman year of college when it started. And I think I've talked to a lot of people and I've been in therapy therapy sessions before with groups where a lot of that turning point for people having eating disorders happens that freshman year in college. 
you're by yourself, you're in full control of your eating habits. Um, no one's really watching you. No one's choosing what's on your plate. So sometimes people get put on that freshman 15 and then they have really bad eating, you know, trying to figure out like body image and stuff after I didn't put on any freshman 15 as most athletes, you know, don't with that regimen, but I noticed that I was bigger than the other girls on my team, six foot. So of course I should be bigger. But for me, when everyone was wearing extra small, extra, extra small, um, and I was getting mediums, I just really felt like I wasn't, uh, I wasn't excelling because my body didn't look the same. So I started like tr- figuring out ways to make myself throw up um, after eating anything, but eating things that were bad for me in my mind were bad. Like ice cream's a really easy one to throw up, you know, things like that. So it's overeating to, to a point where you're sick and then you can throw up. So it's, oh, it, wow. it's really, it's not healthy at all. So my, I got a really bad relationship with food because when I was feeling Whoa. depressed or I was feeling like I wasn't doing well, I would eat a ton knowing in my mind, knowing that it doesn't really count is what I said. And it does count like, but I would just throw it up. Um, after the fact yeah whoa i know and it's a hard one because then your body starts my body started to want to throw up after anything i ate and it was hard to hide from friends teammates and family so they're the ones that eventually intervened and and were like now now you you said that it was because your teammates were running smalls and they were smaller than you naturally. Yeah. And you felt like you had to make up for it on like law like uh, you felt like they were faster because they were so much lighter or I think that played a, a part to it. I was injured, which in my head should have been a red flag to just eat with more the rainbow, right? Eat more nutrients. But instead I was kind of punishing myself because in a way I was like, my body is injured. So I'm not running as many miles or working out as much as my teammates who are already smaller than me. I don't want to get back on the track when I'm healed and have so much catching up to do. If maybe if I don't eat, the lighter I am, the less I have to run around the track with, or the less I have to carry around so I mean along with being bulimic at the time I was going to the gym every like I would skip classes and go lift or go just on the stair like not stairs I would do the bike because I was um a stress fracture and or elliptical just anything that would burn off whatever I thought needed to and keep it like I just want to also say when I'm when I'm saying this stuff too, like I don't want to be giving anyone ideas of what they you know should be doing or could like if they're. If well, did you see results? Um, yeah, but not on the track where it mattered. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I was like, I guess weight wise, at my unhealthiest, I was I'm six foot and I was one twenty eight, hundred and twenty eight pounds. That's light. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not, it's not really like a healthy look, but I also got a lot of compliments from people. I got a lot of, you know, people envy or I wish I ha- I wish I was as little as you. And I was eating a ton around people because mm. then I could just go to the bathroom and throw it up. But so everyone was like, I'm so jealous. You can eat whatever you want. And I got that almost cool girl factor because I could eat and be skinny. Do you feel like that's what the driver was? I do think that was a big part of it because um, I take, I know me and and people's opinions, unfortunately, do matter or they did a lot at that time. So I think a, a big part of it was sort of having this superiority in a way because I wasn't, no one would really compliment on um, how good I ran. I wasn't racing very well, but I put that uniform on and my teammates, the other people that would on the track and stuff would see me or friends and stuff and be like, dang, you look good. And that was it. I was just like, I didn't do very well. I did an awful time, but I looked good. And it's very sad. It's when I'm saying this, when I say that reconciliation part at the beginning, it's like, I feel a lot of shame talking about it. Not as much now because I think it's important to mm-hmm. share. Unfortunately, it's something that a lot of female athletes go through and a it's lot of females. It's tough to open up about that stuff. Yeah. Right? So when do you think the, um, not necessarily the turning point, but you I assume you didn't keep being bulimic. However, you carried into different types of other forms of eating disorders. Yeah. Can you walk me through that a little bit? Like, were you at at one at what point were you like, this is horrible? Maybe I'll try a different diet style. Or was there a diet style that kind of said, "Oh yeah, this will this will end this whole worry." Oh my gosh! And then Mm -hmm. I quickly went into i would say bulimia was a very hard battle to turn off because your body does in some way get used to it so i would restrict heavily so i was anorexic and bulimic which not to the point where a lot of people uh usually if you're the combination of the two you'll throw up on an empty stomach. That's not what I did. Um, I would be very, very, very careful on what I ate. Like I I read that chia seeds could give you enough nutrients and energy to last for training. And um, there was was a book uh, and he was an endurance athlete. And he said he only, he noticed that a lot of the greatest athletes for endurance were having chia seeds and just like bites at tablespoons of chia seeds and that's kind of it and water and they were able to perform. So I would do things like only eat two tablespoons of chia seeds for a day for like a span of three days. Um, and then my body was so hungry cause I was still competing. Mm-hmm. I was still training. And then on the third day, because I was so hungry, I would overeat. And I would know that my roommates weren't going to be around or I'd know that I would be completely isolated in my room. And I would literally just go to the store and get so much just shit, honestly, and be in my room. And I just eat, 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 eat. And I was like, oh, this is the best. And there's like a high to it. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, my my stomach has shrunk because I haven't had anything to eat for three days. Um, so I would go throw up. 
And it was just that, so that was a really awful stage that lasted about 11 months or so, 10 months. Wow. It was really, really bad. Um, and, and that's, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I really, I, that was really bad. Um, but I think I then started trying to look into other, I would say other quote unquote healthy eating habits. And I will just put out there, I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to. I'm just telling you that for me, I can't even begin to think about intermittent fasting because anyone who's had an eating disorder or disordered eating will quickly fall back into that. You Mm. have a two hour window where you can eat like your allotted calories or whatever it is. And I tried that because I was like, oh, cool. This is kind of similar to what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. but like in a maybe a healthier way. And it just like that's it is still occupying your head space so much that all you can think about is when you're going to eat, what you're going to have, how many calories it is. Um, And there's so many other things in the world to be thinking about. I just, that was, Mm. I mean, when you ask about the turning point, that was it. I was in class. We were talking about, um, gosh, this may have been media law because it was my senior, senior year in spring. I was coming back from DC and I had this sort of epiphany in class. And I was like, I've literally written down in my notebook, everything I've eaten in the span of 24 hours. So I can know what I'm going to have tonight. And I didn't hear what my lecture, what my professor said. And it's so sad that for three years that was, people would be talking to me and I was kind of like rethinking in my head. Or the first thing I would think of when I woke up was how many, what will I eat this morning? So that like, then just planned the day. And then at night I would retrace and say, was it a good day or was it a bad day? And that would be the base for my like emotions and days. Hmm. That's, yeah, I can see how, and now I I just saw an interesting stat. It's like 9% of U.S. population at one point will have their own eating disorder. Mm, 9%, wow. I've tried to do the intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't obsess with it. Like, mine was just simply skip breakfast. Hmm. But my problem is I just love breakfast. (laughs) Who does it? So, uh... yeah. I, sw- I quickly switched back. But, okay. I mean, I tried it. I tried it for about f- five weeks. I didn't really feel the whole more energy thing. I felt yeah. fine. Like I felt the same. I, I can see yeah. how being an eating dis- having an eating disorder that can definitely throw you into the wrong path again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, so. You you said you were counting calories. You were counting your food. You were looking at any every anything and everything. What was kind of the next uh, phase, if you will, of realizing that this is continue like this is still an issue or a disorder for you? And how how did you break through that barrier? Yeah, I think that disordered eating eating disorders both affect a type a or perfectionist in some ways someone who wants to be seen as very strong or who like is probably very strong but still is susceptible to those things i knew that i was um 
I knew that it was unhealthy and because I had from the very beginning, but the truly the pinpoint that made me stop was actual health issues. Hmm. Like I start, I got hypothyroidism. My liver was so inflamed from the amount of like throwing up I had done pretty much and stress. Like when your body doesn't know how to, the dehydration that comes from being bulimic or throwing up to an extended amount, your regulatory system gets destroyed essentially. So this disordered eating for, I will say probably four years, like when it was really bad, three or four created these issues that like, I'm still trying to heal from my, you know, there was leaky gut syndrome, which ties into being celiac, um, their hypothyroidism, um, hormones, the pituitary glands, um, cortisol levels were completely out of whack, but the liver was a really, like, I remember it was awful. It was so inflamed. It hurt. It was like someone had taken a knife to my side. And that's, I think when I finally realized I can't keep continuing down this or even try to tell myself that what I'm actually doing is okay because I was disguising it, like we said at the beginning, with these like keto diet, primal diet, vegan. Mm-hmm. I ate bananas only and called myself a banana-tarian or whatever you call it for fruitarian. Like I tried everything hmm. um, thinking that what I was doing was healthy in some way. So I don't know if that... I mean, like we're going to get into those probably at a later time just I think everyone I will say I think if you've found an eating style that works for you I'm so happy like for you and that's so great and if you are making conscious choices for the environment and for um, for yourself like that's even better but I, I have a hard time with people when they tout one certain eating style or one way of living and eating and habits as the right way for it because or a cure-all for things because like there's a lot of people that um it doesn't work for and especially the ones who are looking for answers like remember when we watched the netflix series oh be well yeah that thing is crazy it is and it's so sad truly because there are so many people like me that I mean, I fall into that or I did not so much anymore, but I was looking for answers and I would try anything to -hmm. feel better, to like just stop obsessing over food and just feel better. Yeah. I mean, humans by nature are omnivore. Mm -hmm. So we've been trained to eat, I feel like to both extremes almost. Yeah. And when needed, when needed, Mm -hmm. that's why it, 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 it's a very interesting topic. Yeah, it is a super interesting topic and one that I know is not solely targeted to me, which your experience we are going to talk about next episode. And I encourage people to keep on listening to these next episodes with eating habits and styles and what happens after your sport ends because while we're sharing some pretty... I would say intense conversations right now. It's not the it's not how it's going to end. Like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. If 
you are someone who did listen to this episode um, and maybe you were triggered or maybe you're looking back at some of your eating habits and are thinking there might be disordered eating or strings along that lines, I would just really, I would really advise you to seek out someone that you trust or someone that you don't really know, like a therapist or someone to, to tell this to unload a little bit and yeah, no, you're not alone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.